0: Welcome to the final episode of the week, an IndyCar listener Q and A of 2023. Y'all sent in 40 questions, according to my guy Jerry Sudduth, who puts our questions together each week. Also, closing the year with our not an annual tradition. Maybe I need to make it so. But your made-up awards. Some of them very funny. Some of them a little mean, some of them very you. So we'll get through as many of those as we can. Say a big thank you to y'all for, it just occurred to me, thousands of questions <laughs> y'all have sent in this year. And I don't know, since we started this show six, seven years ago, I don't know, like legitimately 10 to 15,000 questions y'all have sent in. Just phenomenal. Let's say a big thank you as well for the final time to Cooper Tires. Been with us. They were our first big sponsor, rode with us the entire time they are involved. US open-wheel racing, specifically with Anderson promotions, the USF Championships, as we call them now, but also Indy Lights. Before that was taken back by IndyCar. But huge thanks to Cooper Tires. They have moved on. There'll be a new tire supplier for the USF championship starting in 2024, but huge thank you to Cooper Tires, Chris Pantani, the entire team there, Fritz, and just on and on and on. Great people, took great care of us, made sure the podcast was going strong, surviving, and thriving. So massive thank you to them. If you are the type of person to take a moment and express your appreciation on the social medias, uh, at team Cooper tire X profile would be the one to hit primarily. And also Chris Pantani, uh, just huge thanks to them. So little sad, genuinely sad to know that our time has come to an end, but that does happen in the sport, right? Manufacturers of all kinds decide that it is time for them to move along so that is indeed what uh, we are doing here with cooper tires so massive thanks discount tire as well affiliated with cooper in the usf championships joined us in 2023 as well so big thank you to them and farewell to them as well ongoing partners our original partner torontomotorsports.com purveyors of mighty fine motor racing memorabilia leaning very heavily into indycar and imsa you might pay them a visit and then the justice brothers makers of automotive chemicals and lubricants i have a new partner who'll be joining on uh hoping to announce that next week uh Concluded that here very eh, somewhat recently, but just been waiting to tick over into 2024. So, might have another partner that comes on as well. But indeed, thanks to y'all for making this show and this silly podcast of mine what it is. We're reaching nearly 1,500 episodes. I think this is going to be number 1470. So, yeah, <laughs> a little bit of a uh, a mild passion or obsession of mine. Question, been debating. Do I, like, close the laptop, unplug the mics, and just say thanks? It was an amazing run. When I get to episode 2000, it's been floating around the back of my head for a little while. Uh, I don't know if I'm meant to be podcasting into my 90s and hundreds and whatever but anyways it's been in the back of my mind nonetheless let's get going here in just a moment let me say a congratulations to our friend shannon scott her husband mike new baby with alexander rossi's first name included in his name middle name bo alexander really happy for them uh just yeah folks who deep passion for indycar appreciate shannon as well she takes no stuff from anybody uh and yeah folks who fight for what they believe in uh and know that they're right well i uh i got all the time in the world for them say a big thank you as well to uh sarah and jeremiah moral uh i'm going to open the final week in sports cars week in IndyCar, you name it type Q and A episode of the year with a fine, looks like a laser cut bottle opener in the shape of the state, their home state of Indiana, and we are going to crack open uh, my last Dragon's Milk Reserve, New Holland Brewing Company. So an amazing beer made in Michigan, cracked open with a beer opener made to honor Indiana. So big thanks to y'all all All right jerry as well as he has done uh for what more than a year now he sent along little jokes to close each email with whatever uh q a that he has packaged for us and i don't read them as often as i should but i need to get in the habit of that because he takes the time so i should as well so jerry's funny quote for the week The secret of life is honesty and fair dealing. If you can fake that, you've got it made. That's from the old timey comedian Groucho Marx. So there you go. (laughs) All right, let's get rolling with your Q&A and your made up entirely fake awards. And going to enjoy ourselves a little 11% APV Dragon's Milk Reserve and get rocking and rolling. All right, well, our Minister of Mirth opens up the show, Lance Snyder, says, with the rumor of IndyCar crawling back to iRacing, if it is true, how upset will some folks in IndyCar management be? (coughs) Not at all. Uh, Not one bit. We're going to try and keep this episode as up and positive and whatever is possible. So I won't wander down this familiar hole uh, more than I'll just, like, dip my toe in it. When you have a bunch of folks who comprise the senior executive leadership who believe they never make mistakes and they're always right and could never, ever have egg on their face or otherwise, um, there's no upsetness, there's no embarrassment, there's just, well someone else failed someone else got things wrong or did things wrong not us and so we're going to make the best of the situation so there you go um i think i and others for a while have been saying like iRacing is the only partner that comes to mind who is capable and willing of helping IndyCar dig themselves out of this uh dumpster fire if that's a thing, digging yourself out of a dumpster fire. I got to process that for a minute. All right, that didn't make any sense, but just go with me here. Um, it's what we expected. They've also, that being iRacing, intimated that, yeah, so making a game. Yeah, we could do that. It's just not going to happen right now. So by no means a front burner item for them, having been spurned by IndyCar Also busy making other things, including with NASCAR. Uh, Yeah. So it's the thing we all expect waiting for the final formal confirmation. But if it goes anywhere else, we should be shocked. But yeah, and when it does, you're going to read a press release, Lance, from the series that says great and fantastic things and probably gives no impression that there were ever any issues before. So, hey, everything's awesome. Uh, Andy Sterling, you're really trying to, uh, dig us into good old misery here to start, but, uh, f- fun nonetheless. Andy says, Hey MP, thanks for all you do for us. The fans, you're a gift. Well, that's sweet of you, man. But like, you know, I do the thing I love. You do the thing you love. We all hopefully get together and we love it all together. So sweet of you. Uh, he says, does the Bahrain sovereign wealth funds majority investment into McLaren and McLaren racing impact the IndyCar team. Uh I would imagine so in terms of infusion of monies being a positive thing. You say any long-term strategic concerns for the team's presence in IndyCar? Uh no, I can't see that or can't really see why. McLaren is in IndyCar because Zach Brown loves IndyCar, CEO of McLaren Racing. Take another sip here. The only thing I've ever looked at as a point of potential jeopardy is if Zach were to decide to leave the team, retire for reasons I can't even come up with. Uh, McLaren's board of directors were to decide to... Part with him he's the guy who finds all of this money and works those relationships and deals and has brought unparalleled wealth to mclaren so the guy who <laughs> is the rainmaker financially that's the one and only entity i can think of andy where if he were to not be there Would the rest of the board hold as much of an interest in competing in IndyCar? I don't know. Uh, It's among the highest funded, if not the highest funded team in IndyCar, in terms of the money coming in to run their three-car operation. You would assume, I think we're safe in assuming, that they run at a profit, not at a loss. There are a few too many teams in IndyCar who run at a loss or are you know, slightly above break-even after everyone gets paid their salaries. But this is a team that is thriving. And with all that said, whatever monies might be brought in for IndyCar sponsorship would be small fractions of what is brought in to run a two-car formula one team each season but it is money and it is value and there are business b2b or straight up commercial relationships that no team i can think of no matter how wealthy they are would want to put at risk or end another way to think about that is If, for whatever reason, McLaren were to decide we don't want to be an IndyCar anymore, their two F1 cars are pretty darn full of logos. Sure, they could carry over a couple, but there's a reason why the team is even expanding an IndyCar out to work with Hunko's Hollinger Racing, to take additional sponsors, which they don't have space for, on their three-car in-house team, to dress at least one of the jhr entries so that's the only thing i can think of andy um can't think of any way this the bahrain sovereign wealth funds investment would be a negative uh if we're talking about anything related to human rights or that kind of stuff won't get into that now just because we've gotten into that in the past and we are a sport where we have welcomed money from whether it's alcohol, tobacco, or other things that we know (laughs) will kill uh, a decent number of the folks uh, who might want to partake in such things. Um, I'm never a believer of we can't be too precious about saying, well, the money coming from those people over here, well, they're bad. And uh, hey, I don't want to convince myself that purity lives over here and evil lives over there. Uh, if you've lived long enough. You see most of the world, you realize there's both everywhere. And, yeah, pointing fingers and such, which I'm not saying you're doing, just saying arguments like this of, hey, those people are investing in this thing. That, that's bad. Well, again, I'm not in the mood for being precious, but maybe others are. Uh, let's go to Bunkelmeister, which is a new name uh, to me, at least on the podcast. So thank you, Bunkelmeister. You say, Marshall, stupid question, considering it's still far away. But how will the all star race play out? I feel like I might have answered this last week, but maybe not. Um, if not, let's just go with Andretti or ganassi because they were both very quick there last year say also let's have some dumb but fun predictions who's going to win races or the championship uh who's going to win races okay uh i'm gonna have to tab over and make use of one of my best friends aka dr wikipedia and pull up the 2023 entry list and make sure that okay <coughs> drivers who are going to win races Alex Polo, Scott Dixon, Scott McLaughlin, Pato O'Ward after going winless for the year, Joseph Newgarden, Will Power get at least one, Christian Lungard's going to get at least one, if not two. I feel like Colton Hurd is going to be back in victory lane. So will Kyle Kirkwood. Looking where else. I don't know why, but I feel like our guy, Renus VK, Going to get his second career IndyCar win. Uh, Where else do we go here? I think I might be running out of steam. Yeah. Uh, Let's put Marcus Erickson in for one as well. So, yeah. I think I named mostly people who won races last year. Let's chuck in a couple of wild cards. Those who could, but... I'm not confident in saying without a shadow of a doubt they will. Little well, Dave, Davey Malukas, Chicago Davey. Uh I don't know where it's going to be, but I feel like uh little Dave might spring one on us, which would be pretty awesome. What is that? Victory Lane going to be like? Um maybe the most awkward ever? <laughs> I feel like during his victory interview, his hands like full Ricky Bobby style are just going to be raising in front of his face. And yeah, uh, I feel like that's one. I really want Alexander Rossi to win at least one race, but still too much of a question mark for me to say if that's reasonable to expect, since I'm not totally sure who's going to be engineering his car. Uh who else? Who else? I feel like Graham Ray Hall could be in that category. I'd say the last one who jumps out would be Felix Rosenquist. Marshank Racing had a brutal season uh weren't particularly competitive they were more competitive in 2022 but even then they weren't really there 2023 was for the most part bad um feel like felix and the team might be able to uncork one so yeah that's my list uh championships assuming there are no distractions off track that would really do his head in but there is a decent possibility of that happening hello a luck was certainly a part right they had a lot of fortunate things happen instead of misfortunate things happen but He and that team are effectively unchanged. There might be one over-the-wall crew member change, but and again, who knows if there's more that might happen before the season starts, but all the people who made that car, by and large, so amazingly awesome are going to be back. And having seen the peak they reached, the peak Alex reached, which was... Like we we haven't seen that in a while. Uh, I gotta go with the reigning champ until he gives us a reason to believe he can't. The guy that I'm watching to see where he goes in the championship is Scotty McLaughlin. P3. He was... He's the driver I was most impressed with for the entire season from a championship standpoint. I'm excluding Palo, obviously, because they were just on a level that, like, <laughs> if, if that never happens again in his career, where he wins five races, never finishes worse than eighth, has dang near a hundred point lead in the standings when it's all over. If that never happens again in his career, it will be perfectly fine because that pretty much never happens to anybody throughout their entire career. Excluding this unicorn season that Polo and Ganassi had with that number 10 Honda, McLaughlin's the one who really stood out to me as like, wow, what this guy has done. He was fourth in the championship the year before. And fourth, being third among his three total drivers, teammates, three-car team, 2022 Will Power won that championship just in front of Joseph Newgarden. Scott Dixon was right behind them, and then it was McLaughlin, right? We know I Will Power. Had a down year, dealing with a lot of off-track stuff. Really, truly, uh, if he had said, I'm taking a year off just to care for my wife, Liz, uh, everyone would go, yep, totally get it, love you, take your time. He stuck it out, raced, didn't have a great season, um, but did his best. Joseph Newgarden won four races, including the Indy 500 and finished two positions behind McLaughlin. McLaughlin won one race, was the top Penske driver. Just saying, I look at McLaughlin's season and say, you just mirrored your countrymen and one of your heroes, Scott Dixon. You got that championship formula down. So if by chance... Penske catches and slightly exceeds Ganassi and Pace across all 17 races. Of course, we know Power can get another championship. Of course, we know that Newgarden can as well. But I'm looking at McLaughlin as, I don't think this was a fluke. This wasn't some magical year where everything went right. Had a horrible month of May. Horrible start to the season, right? Was chasing for the lead vying for the lead crash poor finish there get a number of poor finishes gets into june and like pillow never finishes worse than eighth ninth i think might have been his worst. but the guy was just like the terminator of points capturing so i think pillow's the answer never count out dixon new garden power etc But McLaughlin is the one where I'm like, if I'm placing bets, putting a lot of that on Polo, but I'm also putting some money on Scotty Mac. What else do you have? Uh, Who's going to lose their ride? Boy, Uh, we're going to keep this one positive. Uh, We'll save that for 2024. We're not there yet. Uh, Which races will be the most interesting? Again, like, how do you predict this stuff? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Detroit. There you go. Detroit's going to be phenomenal. And thank you, Bunkelmeister, um, Craig Johnson, MP, chassis question. Are there enough Panos DPO1s out there to replace the DW12? Uh, no, there aren't. There are many of them, but not enough <clears throat> for teams to have primaries and spares and dedicated Speedway cars. Also, keep in mind the DPO1, that being the final champ car chassis ran for one year 2007 looks were amazing handling was amazing power is amazing everything was amazing um only did road courses there was no oval racing unless i'm forgetting them but it was never developed for super speedways or anything like that so there's even if there were uh 70 dpo ones waiting to be purchased They do not have full aerodynamic packages uh, and whatnot to go to Indianapolis or wherever else. Uh, Engine question, why is Ford avoiding IndyCar? Um, It's active in other series, but they're absent from IndyCar uh, since champ car days. You say, I believe Cosworth is already involved on the electronic side. Why not get them involved on the internal combustion engine side too? Well, they don't want to. That's the really easy answer. They don't want to be an IndyCar, so they aren't. Uh, they are indeed in other series where they see greater value. NASCAR, IMSA, World Endurance Championship, I think, NHRA still. But the reason they're not uh, is because they don't want to be. And that is, yet again, one of the things for IndyCar to ask itself why. Um, Are they and all but two manufacturers on the planet uninterested in joining our series? Uh, Let's go to Maddie McDonald. Maddie, how are you? Ooh, this dragon's milk is doing me all right. MP, it's been a complicated year on all fronts. IndyCar's had some successes, taken a lot of big time L's. Be curious to hear your summation of the current State of the Union, as it were what would be the top two or three changes you'd make in short order if you and Roger Penske traded places for a season ha! and just for funsies, how cranky do you think RP would be if he had to cover IndyCars a journalist for that season? You know, that's fascinating, Maddie. I never thought of that. What would it be like? Roger, any of his executive leaders, even maybe from some other series had to spend, I wouldn't even say a season just a race, not a giant race, just a grist-of-the-mill race. Hey, going to Mid-Ohio. That'd be phenomenal. Hey, we're going to VIR, wherever. Uh, Tell me what it's like. Go listen. And see, the only condition here, and I know we're kind of getting into fantasy, at the end of the event, everything Roger heard, would just fall out of his brain no memories no recollections and everyone in the paddock knew they could speak freely off the record whatever it is with roger the journalist and air the same concerns grievances and otherwise as they do with me and other journalists they trust uh in the exact same way with roger and roger again all this would be purged from his brain. There'd be no retaliation, no whatever else. It would be phenomenal to have Roger to spend an event hearing what people actually think and the things they actually want to have happen. This is it. Maddie, thank you for this. This is a gift. I never thought of it. What if? What if Roger Penske was one of us? Uh wow huh if i had to change a couple of things it would be this might have read some of this pre pretty recently yeah so indycar is a great product i think we could all agree on that is it perfect at every race is every race the best ever no of course not you wouldn't expect that in any series But on average, the races they put on, pretty darn good. Close racing, competitive racing, some thrills, some drama between rival teams. I mean, they're all rivals, but like the ones we know who are true rivals, great storylines of underdogs and overdogs and all kinds of stuff. Like really, truly a season of IndyCar racing. 2023, 22, 21, pretty special. High levels across the board on the product. It suffers from the weirdest thing, though. Not that many people know about it. Not that many people compared to other sports, bigger sports, many, pretty much all which have not been around as long as IndyCar pales in comparison in terms of popularity i know popularity is a bit of a weird thing maddie so it's not like i just want it to be popular like the popular kid at school i'm talking popularity in terms of it's a thing more people know about when you the indycar fan goes out into your world and has on a mclaren hat a new garden shirt a Hinchin Rossi bandana. Is that a thing? If not, get on it, guys. You really should. Uh, Your car has a Thim sticker with a slash through it or whatever else. Name the team you like, the driver you love, the things you wear to rep them. If you don't live in Indiana or the states that are really close to it, My guess is you walk around in anonymity and folks by and large, when you are in Seattle wearing your Santino Ferrucci Jersey, or you are in Des Moines, Iowa rocking your Stingray Rob, whatever hat uh, you probably don't get any comments. You're chilling in Albuquerque and got your Christian Lundgaard hat on. Nobody's asking about it. No one's saying, hey, I love that kid from Denmark too. Let's talk about them, new friend. Uh, that's the cure. We're looking to cure that problem. So when I say IndyCar isn't particularly popular it's not because i'm saying it in a critical bagging on it whatever type way it's the you love it i love it it's the thing that just adds sparks and fun and joy to our lives but at times it's like dang i i wish (laughs) i wish this thing that i love that i think's amazing that puts on great sports entertainment wasn't such a mystery So everything, Maddie, having said all of that, everything about changes and fixes comes back to that. Very simple. More people need to know about it. And if they knew about it, I think if they were predisposed to liking motor racing, they would really enjoy this as well. So how do you combat that? It's an awareness campaign, right? Right. It's not a who makes the tires for the car. It's not a center of gravity issue affecting balance. It's not a who manufactures this piece of the energy recovery system. It's none of those things. IndyCar's greatest issue to address is one of awareness. If more people were aware of it, I am confident more people would watch, buy tickets, like it and you could indeed walk around a mall wherever in your pato award jersey and have more than one person maybe two or three yell vamos pato or something expressing their love and community and communal care with you for the thing that you love that they also love so how do you do that a couple of things that have worked really well in the past and this one's something i've written about something that honda has said as well how do we get more auto manufacturers into the series okay this is the big answer it really is the more auto manufacturers involved in the series and if they can be involved at a price point that doesn't not only bleed them dry but force them to spend almost every penny of their budget on the competition side this is where the marketing and awareness amplifies by a huge amount again we've seen this work before so this is not a brilliant concept i just came up with chevy and honda spend gobs of money to make and supply engines every year when they started doing this for the first time with this new engine formula in 2012. Cost a lot, but those first couple years, they spent a decent amount on the marketing side. That has diminished year by year to the point to where it's almost non-existent. It's not because they don't care. It's not because they don't want folks to know. They still do market and advertise in and around IndyCar, but it is... A tiny amount because the vast majority of that budget is required to make the engines and put the motors in the car and facilitate them, pay the people to do all that each season. So the marketing budget's been slashed down to almost nothing and those dollars moved over to the competition side. IndyCar can come up with a new engine formula, possibly a spec engine formula, where manufacturers can join in purchase or lease or whatever those motors are from whomever builds them at a much smaller annual number and can commit, required to commit to IndyCar, to spend a pretty decent amount on the marketing and promotion side while still coming in at way lower than what the whole thing costs now, that's how the series gains traction. That's how the series becomes... Much better known to that person in Seattle or New Mexico or Des Moines or wherever. This, to me, is the central thing. Getting manufacturers in who have massive reach, massive potential for spending on marketing and promotions, far more than IndyCar can or would spend. You stack an additional two or three manufacturers on the board. You've got four or five. All of a sudden, it becomes a lot harder to go wherever it is in your daily life, look at whatever it is you look at on your phone, et cetera, and not see something related to IndyCar. Hey, look at us. We're here doing this thing. Hey, we're creating new technology, evolving what we have, training future engineers, making things more efficient. All of these things start to become, instead of a whisper, like we have it now, a shout and if you have enough loud and powerful voices shouting, hey, IndyCar, really, truly, it's awesome. Come watch it. Come check it out. This is the thing that has helped massively in the past. So I'd say that's, I, I don't know, I'd probably think through a couple more, but that's the biggest one, Matty. Uh, let's wind down here in our questions and then start to graduate over to your made-up awards for the season and thanks again for the kind note here about my wife and cats and do indeed hope our paths cross again maddie it's been a little too long uh chris hoffman says what are you most looking forward to in 2024 wow uh I huh, that's a you got me there chris let me take a sip of beer maybe that'll help I don't know if I have an answer for that yet, and it's for one very specific reason. I'm getting to that point to where I have done this long enough. Started my media career in 2006. Going into 2024 makes a bunch of years doing this. I think it might, yeah, I am now have surpassed anything else I've done as a singular profession in life before working in racing as a mechanic, engineer, team manager, whatever else did that for again a lot of years, maybe similar ish amount of time, but you do something long enough, at least as I find in my brain, you either start to rebel against it. Like, okay, this is feeling too much rinse, wash and repeat. the other response which is the one that i have it's okay you still have to do the same basic core elements of your job but are there new or different or more interesting ways of doing it or things to add that you aren't doing now so that might be it i am constantly asking myself chris and challenging myself what can you do that's new different or better usually better so i don't know what it is that i'm looking forward to the most but i am looking forward to coming up with new different better more interesting ways of doing what i do Uh, covering races presenting information bringing personalities and the people to you talking about the technology uh yeah all those things Core Johnson, you say, shifting focus to the New 500 chassis. say, we hear the teams massage on cars all year. You dive into specifics of what they're working on. Yeah, if we're looking at the extra chassis that teams hold on to and use specifically on Indianapolis Motor Speedway, Super Speedway, they're working on all the things that cause friction, whether it's mechanical friction, Corey, or aerodynamic friction, which we refer to as drag, aerodynamic drag. So these cars come out of autoclaves made identically, but there's always a little fraction of a percent of differences, right? These things are made by human beings. Therefore, there's no way they can truly be 100.0 and a million decimals percent afterwards identical so if we're talking about the aerodynamic side we're talking about fit in places where all the unions all the junctions where things bolt on connect overlap and so on what are the little ridges what are the divots what are the gaps in panels what are the areas where we can fill those in, smooth those out, make the car as much of a perfect aerodynamic shape as we know how. So that's the one area, and that takes, can take a long time. They're experts who get hired often, work for a number of teams doing body fit, body fit experts. Often tell the teams that have the best body fits, at the speedway because when they need to take off a side pod or whatever else you can hear it assuming there aren't tons of race cars going by and that raging sound drowning everything else out but you can hear it because it's not from the sound of undoing the fasteners it's the pounding and the beating on the panels trying to get them to break free from again the rest of the bodywork because It fits so snugly. And that snugginess is exactly what you're aiming for. On the mechanical side, you're thinking about all the things that rotate, all the the metal items that rotate, and therefore have the ability and do absolutely have some sort of friction, mechanical drag, whether it is in the transmission, bearings whether it's the uprights, the suspension uprights, those bearings, whether it's the brake pads, which could be making contact with the discs, ever slow, ever so slightly and causing a tiny amount of friction that, again, slowing the car, again, a tenth of a mile an hour, who knows? And these are all the things that teams are looking at and working on. And since they've had these cars for so long... I don't know if there's a whole lot left to be found, Corey, in terms of, hey, big gains, giant gains here or there, but there was a lot of time in particular when these cars were new, transmissions were new, everything was new, uh, time spent on transmission dynos and trying different bearings and polishings of this, that, and the others internally and running them and measuring the outputs and how much power is being lost. How much friction was reduced, comparing that and benchmarking that and such. So, these are the general things. You're fighting through the air and you're using mechanical devices to propel the vehicle, and those mechanical devices absolutely interact and roll uh, within, you know, whether it's a transmission, or an upright, and so on. There's a lot of things that can and do cause friction and in the areas where they are able teams will go in and uh, remove everything they can look at how uh, whether it might be a a lubricant a grease an oil whatever it is they might use that can help uh, reduce such things uh steve grinstead you say marshall hope christmas was good to you and chabrell and the cats thank you it was we didn't do anything um we did spend uh the doing what I find and what she finds to be the most rewarding part, and that was uh, donating to a number of charities. So, yeah, I don't know. You live long enough. You kind of get most of the things you want. It's like, you know what? Uh, We're going to do anything. Let's do something for those who haven't reached that point. So, um, anyways, love her for that. Uh, You say, hashtag me personally. If I can make one New Year's resolution on behalf of IndyCar. um, No, and I'm reading that wrong. And I'm not going to edit this out. I'll just leave it in. Leave it in? Sure. Not drunk, but let me take another sip. If you can make one New Year's resolution on behalf of IndyCar, what would it be? Say, hashtag me personally. I say that IndyCar marketing removes the word defy from their vocabulary. Oh, I'd forgotten about this. They used it two years in a row because they felt like they could get more out of it. Did they? I don't know. According to Steve, they did not. Uh also, what would make a successful thermal event? Say all the best for the upcoming year. Thank you, Steve. Uh one New Year's resolution. To be more open-minded. Yes. Uh imagine if IndyCar really and truly listened to what its paddock said, fans said, you name it. Um that'd be phenomenal. Um What would make thermal a success? I don't fully grasp the all-star portion of it. I think I have the rules and uh, I'm sure I could read through it a couple times and get a better grasp. But if people say afterwards, that was cool, I think that's a success. The ratings, the TV ratings, that's going to be a big driver here. If the ratings are decent and folks are like, hey, I like that, that was different, keep doing that, that to me is a big win. There aren't going to be enough people there to see it for it to be uh, wow, look, the grandstands are full. They're only selling 2,000 tickets. So again, that's kind of a limited area where we could look at and say, oh, success. Folks have positive comments. TV number's good. <sighs> I think we walk away doing a golf clap for sure. Uh, Justin Lee, you say, Merry Christmas, MP, and happy to you and everyone in the Prude household. Two questions. Is there a story that had you smiling the entire time you were writing it? Hmm. I don't know if it was a story. I might have written the story. I don't remember. I I know I made a video. Keep in mind a lot more what I did this past season was making videos justin and that wasn't new that was actually one of the original things i did when i started doing this um and it kind of dipped and waned and came back and whatever but this past season did a lot more of that but maybe not the story about it but the being there to capture the explosive joy on pit lane at portland saturday afternoon miles row Paps team race for equality and change folks miles parents and family miles row winning indie pro 2000 championship that (laughs) that was yeah that was a dream come true on so many levels so i'd say that one where it was just like yeah, no, there's nothing that is going to top that in terms of, like, success. The second, also video-related, and it took place just a couple of days later, it was the father and son Hurtas getting to do laps in his 1998 Renard Cosworth kart IndyCar at Laguna Seca, where he won his first race, um... That was phenomenal, uh, as well as the reveal to Brian back in May. So a couple things there for sure. Um, and then I'll just add one more. Uh, that w- And it all kind of falls into the same category, really more parallel with Miles' championship, uh, and that was Robert Wickens and his teammate Harry Gottsacker winning the TCR title at Petit Le Mans in October with Brian Herta Autosport. Funny how three of these have Brian Herta involved. Um, yeah, just <laughs> the phrase "This is why we do this" was spoken by me so many times to so many people, especially yeah, at some of the at all of these happenings. Uh, maybe one more, and again, I don't know if I wrote about it. Maybe I did. I, I guess another portland related item as well not meant to be but uh our friend barry wanzer longtime team manager at chip Ganassi racing had known for a little while about the cancer that uh he was facing and that he went in had surgery and has defeated that all's been clear got a, a really sweet text from barry uh christmas morning and um yeah just yeah, there's a lot of like really heartfelt touching moments during the season for me. So I know you asked for one, but it's me. So yeah, you got five, I think. Uh, my second question is this. Where does IndyCar land in the world of motorsports in North America, in your opinion? And what do you think the key people with the stake in IndyCar believe? Mr. Penske, the team owners, etc. Uh, it's P2 behind NASCAR. Was... Once way in NASCAR's shadow, it's less so, but still in NASCAR's shadow, uh, F one is the surprise contender in the last year or two where it I was only here. Granted now it's three times a year before it was one, then it was two, but, um, even so the TV ratings for F one match slash rival IndyCar that has been a wake-up call i think uh should be that hey there's an open wheel series that out of their 24 races is here like three times which isn't a ton but they have captured people's attention like never before um imsa was once way in indycar shadow less so I don't know attendance-wise where the NHRA is at these days Justin. I do know that it's down. Um yeah, uh but yeah, I mean I'd say IndyCars number 2 rival for that number 2 spot would be F1 in terms of how many people watch it and its general popularity. You can indeed walk down the street in your Charles Leclerc jersey or your lando hat or your whatever and it's a decent chance someone will know it recognize it mention it um yeah that's a weird thing only race here three times a year and yet uh they have absolutely made coast to coast impacts um so yeah as for where do the people in any car think they believe they belong where they rank again the senior executive level they believe they're on the right track uh they know they're not number one but uh yeah everything's pretty rosy team owners all depends um depends who you speak with uh there are those who are acolytes of the series and those who are not most aren't but they will play like they are if asked in print um <laughs> jack tollett your final question say mp how often indie, does indy drug test its drivers or is it simply not done say wishing everybody happy and healthy 2024 um i know they do it at least once a year uh and it tends to be random um so it is done and yeah um <laughs> The stories of like, come on, man, right now, uh, they kind of fall in line with what you hear from other sports where random testing is done. So, yes, they do. I don't know if they do it more than once a year. Um, hmm. I don't believe it goes beyond. uh, Do they do crew members? I don't know. I don't think so. I know they don't do it to the media. That would be fun. Like, <laughs> I would love for IndyCar to test the media. That would be phenomenal. Just out of curiosity, because I know of a couple who uh, partake in things. Um, I have nothing to fear there. Uh, never have. And I'll say that in any kind of like, I'm whatever way. It's just, yeah. If you know my backstory a little bit, my stepbrother's. Uh, yeah, I grew up watching them consume everything and I do mean everything. And there was nothing left to my imagination at eight or 15 or whatever of like, nope, (laughs) not even interested. I I see what y'all are doing and I see how it's affected your lives and no, I'm just going to go ahead and say no. Um, granted, I mean, I do have my beer intake actually. Granted, I think drug testing, you know, I'm not too worried about the alcohol side, but I have gone from like three to four beers a year to one to two a month. I feel pretty confident, maybe three. So even then I know like, you know, I have some friends in IndyCar who might do an entire year's worth of my beer consumption in probably a week, um, maybe two, but anyways, yeah, I'd love to see that. How do we get that going? Hey, IndyCar, you need to do drug testing for all the media and uh, publish those things publicly. Granted, I shouldn't say that. They'd probably, yeah, they'd probably doctor mine. Uh, But anyways, there you go. Uh, Let me take another sip, and then we're going to rip into your end of year entirely made up on your own awards. All right. We're going to open with, yet again, Minister of Mirth, Lance Snyder first category most likely to nap during a week in IndyCar episode well that'd be our cats Rocky and Rosie and if I whip my head to the left those little farts left (laughs) I realize it they were here more or less the whole time but yeah uh I guess they knew that was coming Lance they said we're not going to called out for that while we're sleeping that would be a little too on the nose uh, glenn watts uh you say what's the most amazing or ridiculous moment of the year uh you say besides meeting you glenn at Seabring in march that was that was going to be my first go-to here glenn like let's let's make sure that never happens again ridiculous let's go we already covered amazing let's go ridiculous <sighs> a couple of ridiculous things happen this year uh i'll keep those to myself for now what, what would qualify as ridiculous how about this we had a couple of pruday meetups at the Foyt wine bar in speedway indiana uh first during the month of may second i believe was september for the IMSA battle on the bricks event or no or was that the second INDYGP event i don't remember um those were ridiculously awesome uh it was a prude Day meetup the prude listener group uh who formed around the show and many of them become great friends who communicate each day through a discord group if you'd like to join by the way just check out the description um all the instructions on how to do that are there i'm hearing rosie just rolled through uh hey sweetheart she's not taking chunks out of my leg right now so that's nice uh that was ridiculously awesome As for other ridiculous moments during the year, uh, we're not even done yet. This whole Floyd Benjamin Peterson, Stingray, Rob. uh, Actually, I think Stingray's good. I don't think there's any ridiculousness there, but yeah, there's some there. I mean, you know, there's some of the obvious, the Polo, McLaren, whatever stuff. um, That ugly stretch in May uh, with... Hi, Rock. As Rocky jumps across my chest, puts his butt in my face, and covers off the microphone, he's in here too. Look at that, Lance. They just didn't want to be called out while they are in the room. Smart cats we have here. Uh, When Callum Lot was telling the team, look, there's something wrong with the car, and they refused to believe him, and things got really heated, uh, that's right up there in terms of ridiculous bad because there was no reason for it to happen it was a really interesting dynamic here i know this is just supposed to be our made up any end-of-year awards but hey yeah so i'll answer a little bit of introspection here when you have a veteran team like serious 510 20 year whatever championship winning indy 500 winning you name it they have a driver who's either young and inexperienced or unheralded maybe someone who's not destined for greatness they're telling you hey there's a problem with the car there's a problem with the car it's not totally uncommon for the team to discount what that driver is saying the driver persists keep listening probably go as far glenn as to say okay well crew it's going to suck and i don't know if we believe what the driver is saying but to cover this off completely it's going to be a long night we're going to tear the car apart top to bottom look for any little thing possible is there something broken somewhere that is causing the car to flex or twist or right causing some sort of handling imbalance aerodynamically is there something wacky going on is the floor delaminating is again we're going to go through this in a forensic way, top to bottom, so we can either find that, yes, what the driver is saying is correct, and we found the thing and we fixed it, or top to bottom, left to right, front to back, you name it, nothing was found. That'll often be done, and it's done half a mind to shutting the driver up. I've been on teams where that, has happened and it's been needed and the driver will go on and on and on and you're all convinced it's them coming up with an excuse for why they're slow or sucking at wherever um but that'll get done this to me was not that instance glenn so maybe that to me was the most ridiculous moment of the year and there are certainly some that were bigger and more headline making and otherwise but having walked by that those garages a number of times and heard the stories from both sides. It stood out to me as so dang unnecessary. The team simply did not believe that Callum knew what he was talking about, believed he was wrong, uh, believed it was just him. And it clearly wasn't. And yet The team refused to relent, refused to relent. And this went on for days. This right here, I think, is where the wedge that ultimately drove them apart was really forged. Because at their core, until things got loud and shouty and mean and ultimatum y, they refused to believe their lead driver. I'm not saying Callum is some crazy Oval veteran, but the guy's damn good. And if he's telling you, hey, I'm doing everything I can, and this thing is, there's something wrong, and the team continues to refuse to listen and believe, oh, boy, that was ridiculous. And what then happened after the ultimatum? Chassis was changed, qualified, and fired forward in the race Glen. I forget where he qualified. 27th, 28th, wherever it was. Finished, I think, 12th. Like he truly. was a really impressive drive. Vindicated everything he'd been seeing for more than a month, or however long it was, calendar-wise, but back to the indy Open Test, where it's like, hey, there is something wrong here. Uh that was ridiculous. And watching it, right, not just like one little instance where something ridiculous happened and then went away. But like this played out over days. Yeah. uh, A head scratcher for sure. Uh, But Hey, I do hope I get to see you again in Sebring in March. No joke. Uh, Jamie Carr. uh, Marshall, Merry Christmas and happy new year to you and your family. I have a couple of award suggestions. You say best off-roading in an Indy car. Well, that goes to Tony Kanaan in the Indy 500 because it was on Google maps. There was a t-shirt made. Yeah, Tony did do a little bit of a plowing of the grass there. You say missed sponsorship opportunity? Well, that award goes to the Indiana Bar Association, specifically for contract law. Yeah, this was the most suey, is that the way to put it? The most suey IndyCar year I can kind of sort of ever remember. Thanks, Jamie. Great stuff as always. Great to see you a couple times this season as well. Okay, let's fire through some more. Andrew Miller says to follow up on my weekend sports car question from the last go-round. In a grinchy year of IndyCar News, who or what wins the award for being the grinchiest? Okay, let's come up with something new here. Uh, no, that doesn't work. Um, whomever on the sports... Speedway Motorsports Incorporated side uh who didn't fight to the ends of the earth to make sure that IndyCar returned to Texas Motor Speedway. How's that? And I'm not saying it's totally one-sided, but uh yeah, I really wish it was still on the calendar. So, I'm feeling a little grinchy there. Um yeah, so there's that. Uh Right Turn Lover says the Blue Helmets Award I don't get the reference, but I'm guessing it's some sort of peacekeeping award. UN, yeah, UN Blue Helmet Peacekeeping. Thank you, Jerry. Um, the Blue Helmets Award goes to Ricardo Juncos for his outstanding work in keeping the peace on social media. Oh, man, here we go. Told you, all these awards were totally happy. Pew, 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 shots fired. Uh, right Turn Lover is back. Says the John Marshall Award. Chief Justice John Marshall, again, thanks for the prompt here. Jerry the uh, Chief Justice John Marshall Award for deepening the links between IndyCar racing and the judicial system uh, goes to Alex Polo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, come on. Hey, just, just add the first baby. Be nice, right? Uh, I say, though, the AJ Foyt racing team may soon uh, be more than an honorable mention. Yeah, uh, I hope that doesn't happen, but... That's another weird one, right? I probably need to write all this stuff out if I haven't already, but the reason the Peterson family will fight like mad, I assume, and who knows if it ends up going legal to keep their son, Benjamin in that fight team where they signed a three year contract is because without that contract being honored or enforced, I don't think there's any other place for him to race an Indy car. Uh, so yeah, these are funny, but also you know, a little sad, uh, Lance Snyder, you back. Good Lord Snyder Oh uh, yeah, I see you got even more. Here we go. Uh, the holy highlight reel, uh, highlight reel start Batman award, uh, goes to Devlin DeFrancesco, the second Indy Grand Prix, no doubt. Dev. Charging from, uh, what was it, like P7 to P1 or P5? I, I forget, but like, yeah, hey, you want to talk about faith? I also think he was on the faster, grippier alternate tires. But regardless, Devlin, I loved that. And it did, although there are some folks who doubted or thought that I, I, don't know, was making this up, but his very bold move to jump into the lead there really did lead a couple of IndyCar team owners to look at him in a slightly different way and express interest in potentially having him at their team next year. Uh, so that's cool, right? We don't get to see that too often where one performance and it was for however many laps. It didn't last super long and his race kind of faded, but uh, cool in one act can really lead a team to go, hmm, or more than one team to go, I'd never considered you before. And I'm not saying I see you as a future Scott Dixon or Rick Mears, but I'm going to put you in a slightly more favorable category uh, of consideration. I thought that was cool. Lance also f- offers the quick thinking of the year award that's given to Graham Rahal for reversing back to turn one to take the escape road at Toronto after having the track blocked in front of him. Yes, yes, smart Graham Hall. I, I root for that guy. Uh, I'm impartial, but the fan in me roots for that guy. Um, that was pretty sharp, right? Uh, yeah, we had some starts this year, restarts, whatever. Yeah, uh, at Laguna Seca, they were all great we go. Uh, Lance is back once again. The Kvist and Shout and Award. Come on, baby, now! No, I'm not going to sing the whole thing, although you guys dared me to. Uh, this goes to Marshank Racing for signing the most drivers with last names that start with Kvist. Yes, the best part is who they thought they were going to get for the number 60 car was Linus Lundqvist. And they didn't so they got felix Rosenqvist. uh so there was always going to be a kvist in the car there they've got tom Blomqvist in the other maybe if they go to three cars and for whatever reason Linus becomes available in the future maybe we could have the triple kvist uh yes the kvisty trio i love that that sounds like one of my favorite bands Right turn, lover, you're back again. All right. I see a theme here. uh, Overactive imaginations, which I love, of which I'm a sufferer. Uh, You say, was there a situation deserving a Rory Award for gratuitous use of F-words during the 2023 season? (sighs) (sighs) I don't know if gratuitous. Yeah. Our guy will power was pretty grumpy at road America related to the repaving stuff. And also him going off track a bunch and tangling with folks. And it feels like if there was a one race peak, uh, where the Rory award would have been awarded, it would have been road America and Our guy will power, uh, sidebar. My wife and I have been watching, uh, hard knocks in season done with the Miami dolphins, uh, I think the two of us have watched that series since its debut. Love it. We are noting, though, that theres it's almost just repetition or like it's a playbook that NFL head coaches use, which is just random, excessive, and constant cursing. Especially in meetings with players, talking to players on the field. It's just... Nothing but F-bombs. Their head coach, It it's just weird because he's clearly a really smart, super educated, you name it, person. And it's not like smart, educated people can't curse. But it's just a weird thing. And my wife pointed out first, and then I did, and then we just started counting. And it's like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> F-words used a ton. Sometimes every other word. And it just, yeah, there it's totally manufactured and it feels like it's being done to fit in, kind of talk tough and gruff among big manly football players. I appreciate the willpower approach where it is not used for any dramatic effect. It's not manufactured. It's, that's the word or similar words often starts with the letter C- and it involves in seeing that person next Tuesday. Uh, just natural. That I appreciate. That I love. So Rory Award will power Road America for sure. Andy Sterling. say pass of the year. Has to be. All right. We got two votes for this. Devin DeFrancesco and in the Indy Road Course, right? That was bold and slick. Totally agree. Yeah. I want to see Dev do more of that. And not necessarily... You know, it doesn't have to be from wherever he was in the pack to first, but just, hey, if you're 14th, let's see you finish that opening lap or the restart in ninth. Like, do more of that. I love that. Um, we're going to get down to the last two, and I'm seeing here uh, in the stuff below the red line of death, a uh, bunch of really nice, Items. Rocky jumps across my chest again, which he does to be a dick, but also to tell me he wants to be fed. He could jump up onto the desk right behind me very easily. But yeah, thanks, buddy. Uh, many of you say very nice and kind things. Uh, Dan Planholt, tux one one two three four says, Is it true that IndyCar is in massive trouble? That's what I saw on YouTube. And then puts a question mark at the end. Which makes me ask, are you asking me a question if you saw that on YouTube? I don't know. Um, Hey, if you uh, saw that on YouTube, it's got to be true. Um, Ken Anderson, Lyle James, Chris D'Amato, Maddie, you're in here again. Uh, Jamie Savalos, Ben Cohen, Oscar C. Love... Some questions, won't get to right now, but also thanks to those of you who've sent in just kind notes here. Greatly appreciate you, uh, truly. Uh, down to the last two. The OMG moment of the year. Worst duo award comes from my pal Vincent1701. says so award for the biggest OMG moment goes to Simon Paginot. <sighs> yeah, wow. Um, learned something interesting. Don't know if it's worthy of putting into a story. How's this? I haven't put it into a story, so I guess I don't think it is. But was inquiring with the series as to whether Simon has been cleared for competition, uh, meaning passed whichever uh, concussion testing and whatever else, and was told no, but not because he was given a negative mark but because he simply has not recently uh, asked to or formally gone through that process. So lots of hope and love that our guy Simon here gets back to racing soon. IndyCar, IMSA, I don't care where, but just doing the thing that he loves, assuming he wants to keep doing it. I know he said that he does, uh, but yeah interesting uh we know that there were a number of tests in the weeks and months that followed his crash where he was not cleared um i guess i don't know if i actually had an opinion in term i shouldn't say an opinion a feeling on things but uh i was glad to hear that there's nothing negative uh just there's no decision yet on the thumbs up to go back to racing just because he needs to uh, re-enter that process with IndyCar to then find out. Um, so that's uh, the OMG moment. According to Vince, and I agree, his crash at Mid Ohio uh, was big and scary. A huge testament to the Delarty W12, IndyCar, J. Fry specifically for green lighting. Arrow screen so many of the advancements in safety being made to the car over the years Delara and all the partners involved in doing those things um yeah uh wow just wow um closes here by saying the worst duo award goes to connor daly and ed carpenter yeah i hear you um had ed and whomever else not made the decision to pull connor from the car uh we wouldn't be saying that uh connor'd still be driving i'm sure would still be happy to be driving for them and it'd be a total non-issue so i don't know if i'd say worst duo right um half of that duo would be stoked to still be in that car and i'm not saying that well then that means ed carpenter is bad i'm not saying that either just we're talking vindication. You know, it was pretty clearly demonstrated that the lack of performance and success with that car was not strictly down to Connor. Um, where they've gone with this, I do continue to feel bad for Connor. I think, though, I'll look in hindsight and say, Vincent, this is the best for both. Connor could keep doing this with a midfield team. It didn't look like any opportunities to truly go higher to better teams were serious. Not saying no talks were held, but in terms of like, hey, you really are going to Andretti in a full time seat or name any of the teams above Ed Carpenter Racing. Um, I just don't know if that was on the cards for Connor in the years to come. Uh, Ed Carpenter having signed Christian Rasmussen. Um, I think that kid's fantastic. New blood, right? I'm excited for where they're going. Big addition with Eric Cowden to their existing engineering team. Uh, I am feeling more positive about where Ed Carpenter Racing is going next year than I have for them in a while. So... Connor has been wanting to lean more heavily into NASCAR. I hope that he can and will, and he's good enough and has a diverse array of skills, right? He's not someone who's just good at one type of racing. He can race lots of things and be good in them. Um, I'm happy for where this is headed. While he might have had another year or two with Carpenter, if everything had gone well. I don't think the runway was super long in IndyCar for him, so why not get started now and trying to make NASCAR happen? Uh, final item of the year. Sarah Morrill, thank you again for the beautiful little care package you sent. Let me sip from the beer opened by your beer bottle opener. She says something that is most apropos. Podcast listener group of the year should be awarded to the Prue Day. So they've been a great group of individuals reminding me when tickets for next season go on sale and just a great bunch of humans who care about each other. Much love to them all. I'm right there with you, Sarah. And yeah, let's close on this a little bit of a extendo episode here to close the year. I find myself texting with numerous members of the Prue Day each week or email or whatever and DMing and y'all are just such a massive gift to my wife and I are so incredibly sweet. have uplifted and and held her high in prayer in love in you name it um just if you're someone who has never experienced rampant widespread kindness and care from people before (laughs) uh Please, seriously, join the Prude. Um, just, yeah, I... They're so good and so important and so sweet that I truly am locked in a perennial place of I never do enough for them. I never think of enough ways to express my gratitude uh, because it's just how... Caring and loving and fun and funny and irreverent, and everything you would hope uh, a group of folks could be. And having just met many of them within the last year, two, three, four, five, however long since the uh, the podcast was started, um, yeah, I mean, truly, one of the greatest gifts of my life, not of my career. Not in recent times, but just period. One of the greatest gifts in my life has been the prude um, I wish every one of you could feel the gift, the type of gift, uh, and the weight of that gift like they give to my wife and I, but also to one another. So that's why I recommend folks to join the group just because if you love racing and want to have fun with folks and kind of be adopted into a new family where you're not judged for anything who you are, where you come from, who you love, how you vote, how you, what like, this is just people who love racing, love on one another are pretty darn funny (laughs) and, uh, are very much like me being glass half full, if not completely full and overflowing types. So, uh, Yeah, that's my favorite made-up award of the year, Sarah. I think that I I feel pretty good in saying that's going to be an annual thing that the Pruday wins. Uh, I know that there are many other podcasts that have lots of really passionate and loving fans as well. Just saying, I speak to some friends who have and create those podcasts or drivers or whomever. They know about you all. They know about the Prue Day and speak about you all in glowing, fond terms and realize that y'all are a real thing that are seen and felt, who make an impact on one another, but also this sport, the charitable things that you do, uh, you give back, you give. That's the thing. The Prue Day, if you're, going to be a true active member You're probably a person who gives and likes to help others and really likes to bring warmth to what you do and that's everything that's right in the world to me so thank you to y'all in the prude thanks to everyone here who listens another year of the podcast almost done putting up a couple of sound features in car audio uh ambient audio i think i have i think like the 1998 long beach grand prix maybe to try and put up and yeah got more stuff to put up here to hopefully keep you tiding over into the new year don't know if i'm going to record any more original podcasts uh before we get to 2024 but nonetheless thanks to y'all for everything that you do one final time to cooper tires Discount Tire, thank you so much for being a part of us and our little family here. And then our ongoing family members, Justice Brothers and TorontoMotorsports.com. Speak y'all very soon.